Praise be Jesus Christ, and welcome to Season 7 of CarmelCast. CarmelCast is a production of the Institute of Carmelite Studies Publications. You can find out more about ICS Publications at our website, www.icspublications.org, where right now, as long as you're watching or listening to this during the months of November, December of 2022, or January of 2023, we have a promotion going on to celebrate and commemorate the 150th birthday of St. Therese of Lisieux. You can save 40% off of the writings of St. Therese and books about her by entering the promo code CARMELCAST at checkout. You can see more information about that, details about that, in the description of this episode or at our website during the time of the promotion. This season, we're commemorating the 150th birthday of St. Therese, as I mentioned. And each episode will be going through the writings of St. Therese, focusing on aspects of her spirituality and how her spirituality shines through the various works of her writing corpus. Today, I'm joined by Father Mark Foley, who is the publisher of ICS Publications and serves in our Washington, D.C. community as prior. Father Mark, welcome to CarmelCast, your first time appearing with us, even though you've in many ways been a part of us since the very beginning. Thank you. It's good to be here. I should mention, too, that Father Mark served, had, the, had the, the distinct pleasure of serving as my formator. So if there's any complaints about CarmelCast, you can blame him because he taught me everything that I know. <laughs> and, uh, but he, Father Mark is a, is a, a, a wonderful uh, author and writer, um, spiritual director, serves the province, has served the province as a formator, as a, as a, uh, as a prior. Uh, he has several books that he's written, including um, books about St. John of the Cross, reflections on the writings of St. John of the Cross, as well as two books uh, referring specifically to St. Therese. Uh, the first is The Context of Holiness, uh, a book that Father Mark wrote, looking at reflections from both psychology and spirituality uh, concerning the life of St. Therese of Lisieux, uh, a very good book that I hope to talk a little bit more uh, later on in this episode. And Father Mark also prepared the study guides that accompany each of the chapters in our study edition of The Story of a Soul by St. Therese of Lisieux. And Father Mark is very good at sort of uh, bringing together all of the contextual aspects of St. Therese's life to help us to understand better uh, the life and writings of St. Therese as we're reading them. And so both resources are great books to take along with you as you study and read and pray with the writings of St. Therese of Lisieux. So recommend those two books. Both of them will be on sale during the promotion that we're running towards the end of 2022 in January of 2023. Father Mark, uh, you know, we're speaking this season on spirituality, <clears throat> particularly the spirituality of St. Therese. In a previous season, we talked about the life of St. Therese and, and spoke on aspects of her upbringing, her family life, her entrance into Carmel, uh, and, and the end of her life when she was suffering a great deal. This season, we really want to hone in on spirit on her spirituality, her spiritual mm-hmm. message, and it's something that we haven't we haven't done quite yet with her. Mm-hmm. And honestly, we haven't really talked much about spirituality in general uh, in in our seasons thus far that we've that we've prepared. And so, I want to begin by speaking about this word spirituality, mm-hmm. uh, and in particular when we speak of an individual's spirituality or a saint's spirituality sure. or, or an author's spirituality, mm-hmm. because we can speak of uh, the, the saints about a saint's life, which we've done before sure. about the saint's humanity, their sanctity, their, their charity, their acts of charity, uh, their miracles and so on. Uh, but none of these are precisely 
or the spirituality of that individual. So how would you identify or locate uh, the spirituality of a saintly author? Okay. Well, first, first of all, I'd like to say just the word spirituality itself is very difficult to um, define. It's an extremely amorphous thing. Maybe you have to begin with uh, what spirituality isn't. Uh, spirituality isn't some isolated monad kind of separate from everyone, every other aspect of life. It's, um, I would say, a person's spirituality is how a person finds God and responds to God's grace in every area of life. You know, I think also the word spirituality for the saints um, can be very, very dangerous because we can have um, some very otherworldly visions of saints. Uh, for example, in, in, in her last conversations, uh, St. Therese writes or says, uh, if the saints came back to earth, most of them would not recognize themselves by what we say and write about them. You know, uh, First and foremost, they were human beings. Uh, they approached God in their own way. In fact, in Story of the Soul, Trez says that, um, you know, people are uh, souls, no, he said, souls are as unique as faces. Yeah. You know, and uh, Benedict XVI says that there are many ways to God as there are people. Now, how does one come to know what one's own spirituality is. That's very, very difficult. One way of getting into that, I think, is think of the spiritual texts that draw you. Uh, John of the Cross, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Therese, Brother Lawrence, they all speak about the same things. Love God, love neighbor, grow in virtues, and as far as I know, they're all in favor of these things. So, so what differentiates one from the other? How do, you, how do you know? Why are you attracted to one more than another? One experiment you can use is close your eyes and call to mind the name of a person whose writings attract you. And just don't do anything with it. Just call that person to mind. And what are the feelings the tonality that surrounded. I would say that is what attracts you to a particular saint, is that, that tonality, the background music of a movie, so to speak, that attracts you. And how do you define that background thing? Is it the person's personality? Is it their vision of, of God and the spiritual life? It's hard to know what it is, but I think whatever it is, it resonates with your own personal soul. It says, that's the way I'm called to God. For example, in Story of a Soul, when Tress entered the convent, she found a way of spirituality that was not conducive to who she was. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, the convent was very much tainted with Jansenism. Uh, Abbe Combs, the priest who had the first access to the entire uh, archives of the Uzu Carmel said that the the nuns would compare themselves in regards to the amount of physical penances they did. Mm -hmm. Trez found that to be very, very dangerous because she said to Pauline, 
There can be a lot of pride in that. She didn't know her way to God until one day she went to the infirmary and met old Mother Genevieve. And she said to Therese, Our God is a God of peace. Serve him in peace. Practice the simple and the hidden virtues. And Therese says, That's the, That is my way. There's no deception in it. And that began her little way of the hidden way. Yeah. yeah, and I think there's a good analogy there. You spoke kind of how we find our own sort yeah. of, uh, how we can identify our own spirituality uh, in terms of our, our own relationship to God and how that that might mimic, maybe mimic is the wrong word, but but uh, be analogous to to a saint's particular way to God. Yeah. And so Therese in the convent, she she, she didn't uh, find that tonality, that... that, that um, that resonance yeah. uh, with what with what many of the the nuns' spirituality happened to That's be, right. and that was very much shaped by the fact that it was nineteenth century, late nineteenth century France, and and so she had a, a different sort of approach and, and wanted to find a different way to to relate to God. Yeah. So we know that Saint Teresa's spirituality is multifaceted, and many authors tend to identify different aspects of her spirituality or. Some try to do a general uh, to, to identify as many of those aspects as possible. What are some of the primary facets of, of Therese and her spirituality that stand out to you? Well, I think that the, one of the ones, and she mentions this a lot, is what she calls the hidden life. And uh, that came out, as I said before, her encounter with Mother Genevieve, mm-hmm. that she practiced the hidden virtues which meant um, she lived in such a way that it was difficult to see Trez as a holy person because you couldn't uh, you know, look at her, her mortification here or her mortification there. In fact, on her deathbed, one of the nuns said, what is Mother Prioress going to say in Trez's obituary? There's nothing to say. She came here. She lived, she died. In fact, we can't even say if she was a good nun because we never really saw her uh, do practice virtue. And that's exactly what Trez wanted to do was to make sure to keep her deeds of mercy secret. And that was a a deep purification of the ego. Um, Now, this might sound very, very strange, but I would say to the people watching this, if you want a goal in your spiritual life, live in such a way that when people look at you, they'll say, now there's a medi- uh, mediocre Catholic or a mediocre Christian. I don't say be one, <laughs> but that when they look at you, they, re- they don't really see virtues being performed so much of getting attention because they're hidden. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think people who are who are particularly tempted towards uh, maybe the vice of pride, yeah. that might be especially important because they want to be recognized. They want they want their they want their their acts and their holiness and their charity to be recognized. Maybe exactly. At a, at, a, at a at a fundamental and and predominantly uh, broken way. That 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 that's right. Yeah. So Therese, the importance kind of for story of the soul in terms of un- unleashing the spirituality of St. Therese is that it it gives a her own account of, of her life and it, and it sort of reveals or unveils some of that hiddenness um, to us because yeah. she didn't write this her autobiography for us. No, no. She wrote it 
primarily as as sort of a, a, a reminisces with her sisters. Uh, for, uh, most of it, yes. And so her she had th- she lived with uh, three of her blood sisters in the monastery of Lisieux. Yeah. And and so she's. Could you speak a little bit about um, kind of how this book came to be? Okay, let me just look at the date for a second. Um, around Christmas of let's see if I get the date here. Around Christmas of eighteen ninety four, the three sisters were talking about old times. Okay, and at home, and I think it was Marie that said to Pauline, who was the priors at the time. Mother, wouldn't it be wonderful if Therese could put down all of these stories? And Pauline said to her, I put you under the obedience to write these stories. Pauline was really kidding, but Therese took it seriously. Mm-hmm. So the first eight chapters of Story of a Soul are those reminiscences that she gave to Pauline. you know, And uh, she kept them just for private use. Uh, a year before Therese died, and she was dying of tuberculosis, and she uh, told her sister Marie that uh, she only had a short period of time to live. So Marie asked her, Tress was on her last private retreat. She asked her, would you be willing to, while you're on your retreat, kind of give a synopsis of your little way? That became chapter nine. Four months before Tress died, Pauline, who was not the priors at the time, couldn't sleep and went to the priors at that time, Mother Gonzaga, and said, Mother, um, Trez gave me these writings of when she was a child. We need something for her obituary. I'm sure if you said something, she would write something about her experiences in Carmel. So she was put under obedience uh, to write something about her, her experiences in Carmel. So from 10 onwards was what they call manuscript C. Then uh, they were all three put together as, this is an obituary that was <laughs> sent out to the nuns. It was never meant to be published. and But the people of God said, there's something here, and the rest is history. Yeah, it's really interesting how, um, how something that was deeply personal and, and probably and, and definitely not intended Therese never intended it to be seen by no. the general no. public certainly that's right uh, she had an understanding that it would probably be seen by other Carmels and other nuns in different yeah. monasteries that's right as sort of a, an obituary um, but it's, it's it's interesting that in, in how it reveals the early chapters one through eight uh, or one through nine have this aspect of, of her reminiscences in in terms of her early life her her journey towards Carmel, yeah. the the difficulty that the, the difficulties that came about in terms yeah. of her desire to enter Carmel, yeah. uh, and what kind of what what would you say are the themes that prevail in her spirituality when she speaks about her her life up until Carmel, up to her life in Carmel? I would say not only up to her life in Carmel, but even beyond. the The main event of her life that she really I think took to the grave with her was the death of her mother. Okay. And uh, let me. When when Trez was like uh, three and a half months old, uh, she couldn't nurse from Zaley. They had to take her to a wet nurse. So she experienced, an, uh, you know, she was taken away from her first mother, and that caused a lot of separation anxiety. 
She was given to a wet nurse named Rose Tully, and after 18 months, she was taken away from her second mother, who she bonded with and brought back home. Now, the reason I say she bonded also with Rose's mother is when Rose brought Trez in to drop her off uh, during market day, often Trez would cry for Rose, her mother, and she'd be sitting in the lap of Zalie. <laughs> so after 18 months, she has a second separation. And when uh, children have, uh, you know, experiences of separation, there's a, they have within them an apprehensiveness that it's going to happen again. In fact, Zaley says in one of her letters to Pauline, she's a nervous child. She's out of my presence and she cries until she comes back. And at the age of three and a half, her worst nightmare happened. Her mother died, the ultimate separation. Um, at that time, Trez says her complete personality changed, that she became very clinging and she could not find uh, any solace outside the family circle. You know, she needed that, and she became overly sensitive. Any little, I would say, criticism of her or anger, she became extremely anxious. Just like, for example, when somebody's angry at you, have you ever asked yourself the question, why does that make you afraid? It's a form of separation anxiety from that person's goodwill towards you. Mm-hmm. But when a person with who um, has, has a lot of separation anxiety, this was extremely difficult for, for Therese. <clears throat> Fast forward during what, her, what she was called her Christmas conversion. When she came home, her family came home, excuse me, <clears throat> for midnight mass, there was the custom that the child of the community would have little toys in their shoes. Therese was way beyond the age for this happening. It wasn't age appropriate anymore. Trez was going upstairs and Louis, her father, said to Celine, I'm glad this is the last year. I mean, Trez is beyond this. We, we have to stop this nonsense. Celine caught Trez's eye and she realized Trez had heard it. Trez went upstairs. Celine followed her. Trez was on the bed with tears coming out of her eyes. And basically, Celine said to her, Trez, don't go down there now. Get a hold of yourself. You just break into tears. <clears throat> Trez said something happened in that moment where she realized that Jesus was giving her the strength to do that. And she says, holding back the poundings of my heart, I went down, opened up my presence, jumped in my father's lap, and restored his joy. And she said of that event, it was the greatest grace I ever received. Now, you look at that, you say to yourself, what was the greatest grace she ever received? It was that she made a choice to love somebody in spite of her feelings. Now, it has to be understood that her sensitivity was not taken away. In fact, Pauline says in the beatification process, that in Carmel, she was just as sensitive to hurt as anyone else. Mm-hmm. The grace that was given was she was able to make choices in the midst of her oversensitiveness. And I think that says a lot to us that 
we often are, we often are not healed of emotional wounds, but God gives us the strength to do his will, and that makes us holy. You don't have to become healed emotionally to grow in holiness. Mm-hmm. And people don't make that distinction. You know. Yeah, I think a lot mm-hmm. of this, these aspects of Therese's life, which she would consider her her, her greatest conversion, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the trauma in her early mm-hmm. childhood, a lot of this stuff gets gets sugarcoated yeah. uh, when we when we hear sort of superficial level or or base level um, summaries of, of who Saint Therese was, yeah. and they're really I think important or foundational or key to understanding uh, really the the, the the power of Therese's message yeah. that that uh, you don't become a saint overnight. Uh, you're not you're not uh, as you mentioned sometimes you're 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 not given that emotional healing and grace. But rather, you're given another grace that where God helps you to to yeah. overcome yeah. in particular moments, and yeah. so it becomes like an everyday, yeah. recurrent uh, bearing in strength from God's grace. Yeah. And you know, when people come to me for spiritual direction, uh, I say to them, and this might, it always sounds strange to them, I say, whatever you do, don't try to overcome something in yourself. And they look at me and say, no. If you make your goal trying to overcome something in your life, you're going to get discouraged because you might not be able to. And maybe God doesn't want you to. But all I want you to do is do your best every time this temptation comes up because that's how you grow in holiness. Right. Yeah, these these wounds are often the very context of our transformation. Exactly. exactly. Not just the context, but the, the location. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So you speak a lot about these sort of themes in your book, the context of holiness. Yeah, yeah. And so I just want to uh, yeah. promote that once more. Um, returning to to story of a soul, I want to talk a little bit about the later aspects of, of the book, in particular manuscript B, uh, which is also chapter nine. Yeah. Um, Therese subtitles this: "My vocation is love," and she wrote this, as you mentioned, to to her sister Marie, and uh, or at. at Upon the request of her sister, Marie, That's correct. Yeah. Her, her sister Marie asks her to to summarize her well, essentially her spirituality. And so we can, if if we were to ask Therese today, what is the what is the basis or, or the 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 fundamentals of your spirituality? Really, she's answered that question in Chapter Nine, Manuscript B of, of Story yeah. of the Soul. In many yeah. ways, mm-hmm. um, the famous line from from this chapter, of course, is. Her statement, her declaration, really that her she she declares my vocation is love. Mm-hmm. She says uh, she of speaking of the various charisms um, roles in the church. Uh, what is vocations in the church? Whether it be priesthood or apostle or or prophet, um, she speaks of her vocation <laughs> as being my vocation is love, yeah. and and she means to be that love in in the heart of the church. Um, so. And we know that uh, St. John Paul II, for instance, when, when he declared Therese a doctor of the church, mm-hmm. he rather informally, I think, gave her the informal doctoral title of the, the doctor of the science of love. Yeah. And so I think what comes clear, you know, in particular chapter nine of Story of the Soul, is the centrality of love yeah. to to Therese's spirituality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's many examples of this that, that are demonstrated throughout the early chapter, the, the first 
eight chapters of the sure. book, yeah. um, where she is endeavoring to make love the central aspect of mm-hmm. her life. Mm-hmm. Are there any examples uh, of this that come to mind to you? Yeah. Um, first of all, you know, the, you know, the word love is very, very... In our society, you know, you can use it for everything. You know, I, I love God. I love ice cream. You know, I can use that in many ways. But for Trez, and she makes this distinction between affect and will. Let me give you one example out of this. Um, she was dealing with a sister in her community. It was uh, uh, Sister Teresa of St. Augustine. In fact, she said, I had an aversion to her in everything. How she talked what she said. He says, her very temperament aggravated me. She says, in fact, sometimes, she says, my last means of victory was desertion. And she actually literally at times had to leave the room. And um, she said that, I began to realize that love has nothing to do with feelings, but has to do with the choices that we make. Now, it's very important to realize Trez wrote that, I think it was in chapter 11 or 12, in the last year of her life. She never got beyond her anger toward the sister, but she grew in love because of the choices that she made. So if you're, I would say to a person that if you are gauging the level of your love against Am I overcoming my feelings towards that person? You've got the wrong yardstick. In fact, I don't even know whether God is going to have that happen. Uh, St. John of the Cross, in his counsels to religious, says that people put God puts people in your life to chisel you, to make you holy. The people that we wish would completely drop off the end of the earth in our life may be the most important people in your spiritual life because these are the people that you have to exercise on the level of the will love and to resist giving in to that bitter word that sarcastic word uh, doing something against that person and passive aggressive behavior that's real love on the level of the will so Tres was dealing with this person she was de- she dealt with another person uh, her name was Sister Joseph of can't remember her title right now. Uh, nobody wanted to work with her. She had mood, sw- mood swings that are, were so violent uh, that people stayed away from her. I, we probably would call her bipolar today. And Trez volunteered to work with her for only one year. And at the end of the year, she puts down in the story of his soul, I thought I knew what love was all about. I didn't have the slightest idea. <laughs> you know, but um, she never sugarcoated this woman's life. Pauline said to Trez once, how can you stand working with this person? And Trez said, she's like a broken clock that has to be rewound every 15 minutes. What we would call a high-maintenance person. But she goes on to say, if I had as defective a spirit as this woman had, I would do no better, and then I would despair. Yeah. She never had that sugary language like, oh, that's okay. She means well. You know, she tried, she never said that. She told the truth, but always truth and love. Right. Yeah. 
I think it's an important um, point that you make about love being on the level of the will and not some sort of effectual or, right. or feeling-based yeah. sort That's of right. emotion. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's important, too, for people to understand that uh, love doesn't mean that you make yourself a doormat for, no, for other no, people. No, no, it doesn't. And, and Therese, of course, was never never that to, to yeah. any of the sisters who, with no. whom she had difficulty yeah. Um, yeah. willing to love. Yeah. And just a love in regards to fidelity. She writes a wonderful letter to Celine, and I, I don't have the quote, but she says, you know, some mornings I wake up and have absolutely no energy to do any good. You know, I don't want to go to Mass, I don't want to go to office, I don't want to pray. Then she stops and says, isn't that wonderful? And this is the reason she gives, because she says, anything I do now, I know it's pure love, because I have absolutely no desire on the natural level to do it. Right. So when you really don't want to pray, when you do want to be faithful to your daily obligations, that's probably the most, that's an opportunity to truly exercise holiness. Right. You don't feel holy, but you are holy. Yeah, it's a very, I think, important distinction yeah. that, that yeah. Therese uh, yeah. exemplifies so well. Just want to wrap up maybe by asking about uh, your own relationship with, with St. Therese. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've been to Carmelite for over 50 years. Um, when I entered Carmel, I never heard of her. Okay, I tried to read Story of a Soul, and I think for the first five or six years, I had to take insulin shots. <laughs> I found her so sweet. Exhibit A. Okay? <laughs> uh, but the more I read her and got below the surface, I realized what she was really talking about is how do you deal with people you live very, very close to? Yeah. And how do you, and once you could be below that surface, you could see the real flesh and blood person who struggled with her wounds and who struggled with some very sick and uh, you know, dysfunctional people. Now, that kind of defines all of our lives. And she said the only way to do it is in love. And love is always very, very concrete with very, very uh, wounded individuals. I think W.H. Auden sums it up when he says, we can only love our crooked neighbor with our crooked self. Mm -hmm. You know, And Trez was very, very realistic. Um, in in that, you know. So, I mean, it took me quite a while. So, I find her, like when I write on John of the Cross, she's one of the best commentaries on John. John is very abstract. But when you really bring it back down to what he's talking about, Trez is the person to go to. Yeah, I, I think one of, you could you could sum up a lot of, of Trez's contribution to Catholic spirituality in general as as a realism. It is right, and yep. in, in much the same way we speak of like literary realism, yep. it's it's very much grounded yep. in, in 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 experience and in reality. Yeah. And as as saccharine as she can sometimes come across, and some of that is was was due to revisions made to her yep. writing, and yep. as well as poor translations in English. Um, but but you know, even beyond those sort of, uh, I guess misunderstandings or the ways in which Trez comes across as overly saccharine. Yeah. Uh, I think with a good translation, which Father John Clark did a, a wonderful job in, in, in yeah. doing that, 
the realism really shows yeah, yeah. Uh, after after a um, as long as we're not doing a superficial reading. Right, right. I would say this, uh, and let me play the devil's advocate here. There are some people that really like the sweetness of Saint Therese. If that's part of your spirituality, there's nothing wrong with it, mm. as long as you're really living the little way of loving. Personally, I find the sacrament thing, it's not my cup of tea. But for other people, it is. Don't apologize for it. Right. Okay, because I think there's a lot of people out there that say, you know, I really, I really like your sweetness. And then on the other hand, people who maybe have tried to read, read Therese yeah. or, yeah. or uh, read Therese but didn't really get much out of it, yeah. uh, what would you say to them to, to, kind of, to kind of grasp that realism? I would say, <laughs> read this book. Yeah. No, but also I wrote another book called, um, what's it called? One from Polis Press. Oh, the Love That Keeps The Love That Keeps Us Sane. And I think, uh, and, I, and I don't say this to, to push my books, but I, I think I try to get below the surface and really to see uh, the woundedness of St. Therese. Uh, there's a lot of other wounds in there. Her, her, her scrupulosity that she really uh, struggled with most of her life. Um, in fact, there are letters that were sent to her that indicate that at times she was so scrupulous and she was still having the God of Jansenism in the back of her mind that she actually did not believe she was forgiven after she received sacramental absolution. Right. You know, and... Uh, but she, she went through that, and she finally came out the other side, and she was able to. But it, yeah. it was a real struggle for her. Yeah, I mean, we can relate to her on so many levels. Yeah. And so I think sometimes that superficial image that we might have, you know, from, from seeing statues of St. Therese or, or having sort of a, um, just a, a basic sort of understanding of her life, we can miss how relatable she actually is yeah. in, in terms of our own lived experience of yeah. struggling in yeah. this life. and. Yeah. Uh, as well as accepting grace yeah. in the midst of it. Well, I would encourage everyone listening or watching uh, to take up uh, the story of a soul. Um, if you have had difficulty with St. Therese in the past or have difficulty reading maybe a, a text that was written in the late 19th century, the study edition that Father Mark prepared, the study guides, study guides accompanying each chapter of Story of a Soul are a great resource to help get you through and to give you a little bit of background context and uh to read like Father Mark reads, which is very slowly, and he, he speaks of uh, the text crawl, yep. his favorite his favorite way to read. Um, I'd encourage you to to try reading Saint Therese again if you didn't succeed the first time, or read her again if you love her and have read it, uh, you know, a dozen times. So, Father Mark, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you all, and God bless you. Okay.